Well, we're in uh, Genesis chapter 12. We are looking at the life of Abraham. I'm so glad that we've uh, turned the chapter in Genesis 1 through 11 as we've looked at origins. And now we're going to look at the first patriarch of our faith, the father of our faith, Father Abraham. And uh, we looked uh, at his call last week. And uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, a hiccup in Abram's life. But uh, at this point, um, Abram doesn't have a home. He doesn't have a house with a foundation. In fact, he's not going to have a house with a foundation as he dwells in uh, the land of Canaan. He is going to be a nomad his entire life. Um, but God has promised the land in which uh, he finds himself uh, today. But uh, he, he's been walking by faith up to this point. He's believed the promises of God. We looked at those promises last week, that uh, God was going to make him a, the father of a great nation. He was going to give him a great name, that he was going to be a blessing, and that uh, through Abram, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So uh, these are promises that Abraham has uh, has uh, embraced, and uh, he is not walking by sight. He's walking by faith. But he has no barns. He has no storage units. He has no offspring. He's 75 years old. And he has a lot of stuff that he's in charge of, and he's having to live off the land. And it takes a great deal uh, for uh, of uh, land to sustain what God has given him. So last week we ended with the fact that he had come into the land of Canaan, and he had an encounter with God. the Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, came to, to Abram in, in, the, in Shechem and said, Abram, you have arrived. This is the land that I am going to give you. And because of that encounter, the Bible says that Abram built an altar. Uh, built an altar to remind him of the encounter God had with him to, to worship uh the living God in the presence of all the enemies because this was enemy territory. The Canaanites were in the land. But Abram was going to be a testimony to these people. It was truly a mountaintop experience. And now we come to verse 10. Chapter 12, verse 10. The Bible says... Now there was a famine in the land. Oh no, a famine. Here Abram has been walking with God. He's had this incredible spiritual experience in the land of Canaan. And now there is a famine in the land. The promised land is having a climate crisis. 
Global warming is taking place. It is a serious matter. Right after a mountaintop experience. Church, this is not unusual. You know, when we have encounters with God, when God has done something significant in our life, right after that, typically there is a test. The test of our faith. And tests are not unusual. And I'm sure Abram in this moment is saying, God, why? You've brought me to this land, and now the land is unable to sustain all my possessions, my livestock, my livelihood. Why is this taking place? And as we go through this passage this morning, chapter 12, we're going to see that this is a test in Abram's life that he fails. He fails miserably. And I want you to be encouraged by this, church, okay? That uh, here is the father of our faith. God is going to do remarkable things through his life. But uh, there are some episodes where Abram fails miserably. And it's all recorded in in the first part of Genesis here. But I'm so grateful for the God of grace that we serve. You know, because if you go to the book of Hebrews, the hall of faith where Abram is mentioned, his name is Abraham at this that point, you know what? Nothing is mentioned about his mistakes. God just gives us the highlight reel, not the bloopers, but the high points of Abraham's life. And you know what? We're all familiar with the mistakes that we make, the failures that we make as we've encountered tests as well. But just as we see the grace of God in Abram's life, we see the grace of God in our life. And I hope that encourages you to continue to pursue persevere through this journey of faith. We all face trials. And that's an understatement. You know, there was a man who um, was, um, was, was frustrated with his lawn. He took a lot of time a lot of sacrifice and maintaining a nice-looking lawn, but he had dandelions. You know, no amount of uh, weed killer could get rid of these dandelions, and so he called a land uh, a lawn expert and he asked, "How can I get rid of these dandelions?" And the lawn expert said, "Try getting." used to them. (laughs) When it comes to tests, church, Christian, try getting used to them. 
because they're always going to pop up in our life. And why do we have these tests? To grow us in our relationship with the Lord. And we've all been through a test, haven't we, these last two years? Well, this morning we're going to be looking at Abram's um, test this morning. And so we find he finds himself in Canaan, and there's a famine in the land. Now, verse 10, the rest of verse 10. So when Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the for the famine was severe in the land. I want us to look at first his faithless move. Because this was faithlessness on Abram's part. Um, Abram didn't deny God by moving down to Egypt. Abram simply forgot him. Um, When Abram finds himself in Canaan, he's got this test. And he's now in panic mode. What am I going to do? He's in survival mode. And instead of seeking the Lord, asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? Abram just takes it upon himself um, to figure it out. He's panicked. He's stressed. He's lost sleep. And he's trying to figure it out on his own. Can you relate? You find yourself in a test and you don't know what to do and you're trying to figure it out for yourself and instead of seeking God, you just kind of grind it out. You're just pragmatic about the whole thing, what you think is going to work. This is where Abram is. You know, that's that's when we're in seasons like this, church, it's okay to ask the Lord for wisdom. In fact, God wants to ask him for wisdom. We don't like to uh, to uh, admit these episodes, and uh, we don't like to admit that we don't have the answer to the situation that we find ourselves in. And that's pride. We we don't want to look like you know we don't want to be humbled and embarrassed that we don't know the answer. Christian, that's okay. It's at at that moment that we need to seek the Lord for wisdom. I don't know what that was, but let's get rid of that, okay? (laughs) Um, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, And it will be given him. God wants to give 
you wisdom. And we would save ourselves a lot of pain and heartache if we would seek him first rather than last. Now, in verse 10, there is no indication that Abram sought the Lord's advice. Abram just took it upon himself. He didn't ask for permission to leave. He just left. And he went down to Egypt because uh, Egypt was very much like the place where he came from in uh, the, the, the Ur of Chaldees, a very um, fertile, green, um, life-sustaining area. And so that was the closest. And so he just thought the reasonable thing was to go down to Egypt without the Lord's permission. My question to you this morning, is are, are you in a test this morning? Are you facing a situation that you don't know what the answer is? I want to encourage you this morning, friend. God knows the answer. And instead of trying to seek, figure it out yourself, go to the Lord. James 1 says, who gives generously to all. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all. He wants to be there for you. Seek him. So here we see in verse 10b, a faithless move on Abram's part. He just did what he thought was best. Now, let's look at verses 11 through 16. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Oh, wasn't that big of Abram? When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Let's look at Abram's faithless lie. He's about to enter Egypt. And as he's about to enter Egypt, he knows that he's entering a difficult situation because his wife is beautiful. Now, Sarai is 65 years old at this point, 
but uh, 65-year-olds, according to this text and this this uh, their, this time range, um, is like the new 30 to 35 year. All right. But she was a beautiful woman, and Abram knew that he was in, going to be in trouble. Because when they saw her, when the Egyptians saw her, uh, he thought that they would kill him so that they could have Sarai as, as their wife. And so uh, they come to Egypt, and he comes up with this story. Tell them, if they ask you, um, are you my wife? No. Tell them you are my half-sister. Now, that is a half-truth. But church, a half-truth is a lie. Okay? he Sarai was Abram's wife. Now, Sarai happened to be, they happened to have the same father. Terah was their father, but Sarai had a different mother. We learn of that in Genesis chapter 20, because it's going to happen again, okay? Like I said, Abram's not a perfect guy. But uh, here, this is what Sarai is supposed to say. And um, who is Abram concerned about at this point? Is he concerned about Sarai? Absolutely not. Abram is concerned about himself. Church, that is the opposite of faith. You know, when you are concerned about yourself, rather than, you know that you're not living by faith when you're consumed about yourself. Abraham had no concern regarding his marriage, uh, regarding his wife's uh, well-being and safety. He was only concerned about his own well-being. And so what he was most concerned about, what he feared most, happened. The Egyptians saw uh, Sarai, saw that she was beautiful. And the Bible says the, the princes of Pharaoh saw Sarai, thought, saw that she was beautiful and took this information to Pharaoh. And Sarai became a part of Pharaoh's harem. And in her becoming a part of Pharaoh's harem, Abram was greatly rewarded. Look what the Bible says in verse... um, 16, and for her sake, Pharaoh dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. Abram received all of these things for a lie. I just want you to imagine what Abram is going through at this moment. Imagine the guilt. I mean, imagine the loss. Here he has all this wealth that has been given to 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 him, to Abram, and yet it is meaningless. He has lost his wife. 
who knows what is happening to his wife at that moment. This is where Abram is uh, in this text. I like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Abram has given up his wife. For what? Material goods that mean absolutely nothing. I'm sure Abram is at the lowest low that he's ever been in his entire life. And I'm sure he's thinking to himself, what was I thinking? How could I have done such a thing? You ever been there before? (laughs) I've been there before. Here's our father of faith in a situation right now. Abram is despondent. But look at verse 17. But the Lord. There it is again. The grace of God. Abraham has made a huge blunder. He thinks he's lost everything. Oh, he's got everything, but he's lost the most important person in his life. Verse 17 says, But the Lord. Let's go on and read. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. I want us to see Abram's faithful God. I want us to see our faithful God this morning. Here we see the supernatural intervention of God to spare Sarai and save the marriage of Abram and Sarai. The Bible says in verse 17 that there were great plagues, not just a plague, but there were great plagues that afflicted Pharaoh and his house. How did Pharaoh come to know that Sarai was Abram's wife? Well, I I believe that uh, Sarai was not impacted, affected by these plagues. God spared Sarai. And so here's Pharaoh's household. They're all struggling. They're all experiencing these plagues. But Sarai, she's protected. 
It kind of reminds us of another story, doesn't it? That the children of Israel that we're going to read about in the book of Exodus. But here is Sarai. She is spared. And Pharaoh <laughs> goes to Sarai and says, what's up? How come you're not affected? And Sarai spills the beans. And so here we see in verse 18, Pharaoh goes immediately and directly to Abram and says, Abram, why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me Sarai's your sister when she's really your wife? He's being rebuked by a pagan ruler. Here is our father of faith being rebuked by a pagan. How humiliating is that? The guy who knew the right thing to do, did the dishonest thing, is being rebuked by a pagan. That's humiliating. And I say that from experience. There was a, there was a time where I was taking Kyle to school and, uh, we were running late and, uh, we were driving along, um, on Graff Street, the street that our, our, uh, that ICS is on. Um, on the other side of Norma, uh, Graff continues. But uh, you might be familiar with it. I think they've widened it since then. But for many years, it was just kind of one lane. And cars, it was kind of treacherous because cars would park along the curb. The road, the street was very narrow. And then you had this dirt, dirt, dirt lot uh, next to the, to the street. And oftentimes, you know, when cars were coming both ways, that uh, one of the vehicles, the vehicle traveling east, would have to drive on the dirt to uh, for there to be enough room to continue. Well, on this particular day, uh, there was a car traveling west. I was going east. And uh, there were no cars parked along the curb. So there was room on the street for both cars to, to maneuver without me having to go on the dirt. Well, this person who was traveling west decided, well, he's going to take the road and he's going to make me go into the dirt. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really don't want to go on the dirt because I'm going to create a lot of dust and this is going to be in his face. and I don't want to do that. And uh, there's plenty of room, so as I get closer, surely he's going to move over so that I can be on the asphalt as well. Well, guess what? We got closer and closer to each other, and then it became a game of chicken. You know, who's going who's gonna to move? And guess who didn't move? Neither of us. Well, I finally gave a little bit got on the the dirt a little bit, but he never moved. And our cars, our automobiles came so close that our side view uh, view mirrors clipped each other. And I broke. Mine didn't break, but I broke his side, side view mirror. You know, we pass each other. I realize I clip. He stopped. He turns around. he, He follows me. 
he's hot. And I'm not very sympathetic. <laughs> and uh, I didn't have a really good attitude. But uh, I knew that I had responsibility here. So we exchanged information. He wanted to call the police. I think I thought to myself, you don't need to call the police. You've got my insurance information. You've got my uh, license plate, my, my license, license number. You know, I need to get my son dropped off at school. And so he wanted to wait for the police. I didn't. And I decided to take off. I didn't have a very good attitude. And so I took Kyle and dropped him off at Emanuel Christian School. Guess who followed me? Yeah, the guy that I had clipped. And when I pulled up to the curb and Kyle was getting out, uh, one of the kids who was at the curb um, said, Hi, Pastor Bill! Guess who heard that? Yeah. And he says, Oh, you're a pastor. Yes, I am. And that was a humiliating experience that my son witnessed. And, uh, you know, and I somewhat apologized. And, you know, a week or so later, um, we settled up with each other and what I owed him after he had uh, uh, checked it out with his insurance. And, uh, you know, when I presented him the check, I had to apologize for my attitude. How I had come across. That's not how God would have me behave. You know, it's humiliating to be humbled like that especially by an unbeliever. I ask for his forgiveness. I talked about the grace of God that I've encountered in my life, and I I have to be dependent upon his grace. I'm sure Abraham felt like that in this passage of Scripture. But here we see God fulfilling his end of the promise, even though Abram showed zero faith. God told Abram in verse 3 of chapter 12, Abram, I'm going to bless you. Abram, I'm going to protect you. And even though Abraham has been acting faithlessly. God continues to hold up his end of the bargain. And that's how he is in our life as well, church. I want to just encourage you that if you've made a blunder, if you've been acting faithlessly, and you've experienced but the Lord, let that encourage you. Let that help you um, to continue to persevere. God 
this passage of scripture protected the marriage relationship between Abram and Sarai. You know, Satan wanted to end this marriage relationship. Satan wants to end your marriage relationship. But God wasn't going to let this this happen. God was going to be the keeper of the promise that he made to Eve. And he was going to be the guardian of the messianic lineage. Because it was through this marriage relationship that the Messiah would ultimately come. And so Pharaoh brings Sarai back to Abram. Well, I would have loved to have been to have heard that conversation between Abram and Sarai at that at that moment, don't you? You know, I wonder if Sarai gave Abram the look. You know, how could you? You let me. I I don't know her response, but it reminds me of a a guy that was shopping with his wife in the mall. His, the the husband was rather bored as his wife was watching his shopping, and uh, uh, there was a gal that caught his eye that he just kind of stared at all along the way as she walked past and walked down down the mall. And his wife was standing there, and she was looking at something, and she said to himself, she, she said out loud, well, was she worth the trouble you're now in? <laughs> Abram, was it worth the trouble you're now in? I don't know. I don't know if that conversation took place or not, but God spared, God protected that marriage relationship. Your spouse, guys, your spouse is God's gift to you. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands must be careful of your wives, being thoughtful of their needs and honoring them. Remember that you and your wife are partners in receiving God's blessings. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4 says that your wife is the crown of your life. We need to protect her. We need to guard her. And that's not what Abraham was doing in this passage of Scripture. But that may that be a testimony to all of us. I want to encourage us. We've got this marriage conference coming up. Um, the 25th through the 27th. You know what? We all need a marriage tune-up. There's not a perfect marriage in this church. There's not a perfect marriage, uh, period. We are all sinners whom God has placed, brought together to be united as one. And we need to be, we need to have a reminder occasionally of how to have a healthy marriage. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website, ibcridgecrest.org. Just tap on the marriage link. It's really easy to register and uh, do it soon because uh, my wife is uh, concerned about numbers and uh, how much to prepare.
but uh, I'm trusting that uh, we're going to just have, be a, have a house full of couples, not only from our church, but from our community, uh, part of this marriage uh, conference. So if you're on Facebook, uh, I want to encourage you to share the, uh, the, the Facebook advertisement that we've got going on our Facebook page. Uh, but invite those of you around you who would be encouraged by this marriage conference. But again, um, just to remind ourselves that God blessed Abram just like he said he was going to do, and it was by grace alone. It wasn't by anything Abram had done. Abram had done the opposite, but God was going to fulfill his end of the promise. Now, when God does that in our life, when we don't deserve his grace, don't let the enemy convince you, well, I got away with that one. You know what? Abraham, Abram didn't get away with anything. When we make foolish decisions, church, God forgives, absolutely forgives, but he doesn't take away the consequences. And there are going to be consequences from Abram's poor choice as we continue in the book in these next few chapters. There's going to be a maidservant. Sarai is going to have a maidservant that's come from Egypt, Hagar. And Abram's nephew, Lot, was with Abram in Egypt. And now Lot has experienced a little bit of what Egypt is all about. And that's going to factor into the decision that Lot is going to make down the road. Those are consequences of this detour. So just be aware of that, but know that God is a God of grace when we make mistakes. So just a few thoughts for husbands and wives. Wife, none of us are in a perfect marriage relationship, okay? We all have weaknesses. But what can wives learn from this? One would be to look to God for miracles of grace. You know, your husband isn't perfect, but look for what God is doing in spite of his imperfect, your husband's imperfections. Look for those little miracles of grace rather than your husband whose glass is half empty rather than half full in your mind. What is God doing? Number two, stand firm in the obedience of faith. What would Sarai do in today's culture? She, she may have said, I am done with you. That, but that was not the culture back uh, 
then. And she continues to be obedient in faith. She had faith in God so that she could be faithful to Abram. Just continue to nurture your spiritual relationship with God. God will use that in your life when your husband isn't all that you want him to be. Think about what came of Sarai's faithfulness. Christ did. Had Sarai given up? Had Sarai said, Abram, I'm done with you? The messianic line would have been broken. But Sarai continued to be faithful. Just know that there is more at stake in your struggling relationship than just two people. There's children. There's children who want their mom and dad to hang in there, to be there for each other and for them. Just know that it's more than just the two of you. Then husbands. Are you in a test right now? Face your test. Face your fear with faith. Tell the Lord that you're afraid and ask him for wisdom. Don't try to deceive. Repent from your deception. Are you thinking only of yourself? What pain could Abram have avoided had he been thinking of his wife more than himself? Think of the other. Be that living sacrifice to her. And finally, safeguard your marriage and your wife's well-being at all costs. She matters most. And don't wait for her to register for the marriage conference. (laughs) You register for the two of you. And God will use it in your marriage relationship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Abraham's life, warts and all. God, we see so much of ourselves in the life of Abram. And yet, God, you continue to be a God of grace in spite of our sinfulness. God, your grace far exceeds all of our sin. God, we say thank you this morning. Father, through that truth, help us to grow in our faith, in our confidence in who you are. God, there are going to be tests. There are always going to be tests. But in those tests, God, 
may you find us to be people of faith and just grow in that Christ-like maturity that when we come to a a, a test like Abraham, when you tell Abram, Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. God, he has so much confidence in who you are. You've bought, brought him through so much that he's willing to even obey in that test. God, help us to grow in Christ-like maturity. And when we lack the answer to a test, may we choose you first rather than last. Thank you, Father, for this time this morning in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.